0: Hello, and welcome to Service Provider Confidential. This is a new podcast series presented by Akamai. The goal of this series is to provide listeners with relevant and timely insights specific to ISPs and mobile network operators. We will inform you about important industry issues and offer a view into the constantly evolving security landscape as observed from within our unique data set by a team of highly skilled data and security analysts. We will make these topics approachable for business, technical, and operational audiences. And there'll be guest speakers that will appear regularly. There'll be experts from within Akamai, the analyst community, and the industry itself. I'm the host, Bruce Van Nice. I'm a senior manager of product marketing in Akamai's carrier division. I've spent more than 20 years in the ISP industry working on a variety of technologies. Akamai's carrier division has dedicated teams exclusively focused on ISPs and MNOs. Everything we do is dedicated to making your business successful. So enough of that. Um, Today's episode, we'll talk about uh, DNS encryption. This is a really visible topic in the industry today. So why don't we just dive right into that? Encrypting DNS traffic has been a focus of the IETF, the Internet Engineering Task Force, for several years. This all began when there were concerns about privacy on the internet. and Needless to say, that's a, a really visible topic today. So starting in um, late 2018, two standards were formalized that specify uh, how DNS encryption works. So they define the interactions between client devices, which are Technically called stub resolvers and resolvers that exist uh, in an ISP or mobile network operator network. So, the two specifications are DNS over TLS and DNS over HTTPS. Uh, Since those specifications were finalized, a number of implementations have appeared. I'll talk about that briefly uh, during this session, and then we'll have another session coming up soon, which will cover the client implementations in more detail. This is a really important area for providers because the behavior of the clients has a significant impact on provider infrastructure. So having that understanding is important. It's a deep topic. Um, There have been some recent developments on the client side that are also directly relevant to providers. So we'll cover those in detail um, in an upcoming session. So since it's been more than two years, um, the client ecosystem has continued to evolve at a rapid pace. Um, there were some early entrants right after the specifications were announced. You know, Vendors track that kind of activity and so you are know, often ready with early implementations right after standards are defined. At this point, there's a pretty good representation of DNS encryption-capable operating systems, browsers, applications, and CPEs. I'll enumerate what those are uh, in a few minutes. One of the more important things that's happening within standards is that they're making progress toward developing specifications that will allow ISPs and MNOs to provision resolvers that support DNS encryption in a way that's compatible with the operational systems that are already in place. And so an an automated approach where when someone connects to a network, uh, they can get connected to an encrypted DNS resolver, just as today they uh, connect to uh, an unencrypted DNS resolver. So there's still some work that needs to be done in that area, but those sorts of specifications are really an essential precondition for deployment of these protocols by ISPs and MNOs. So as you'll see, today's implementations are a little challenging because they typically require. Uh, the user to take some action in order to connect to an encrypted resolver. And so for a provider to support that at scale is, is just not workable. Um, offering instructions, for example, to subscribers saying, hey, if you want to use an encrypted resolver, here's the instructions is just, is just not workable. It needs to be automated and seamless and, and just work uh, just as it does today, because most subscribers don't want to know anything about uh, DNS and other services that they may use in a network. So anyway, um, there's work going on to uh, complete those specifications. In this podcast, we'll just introduce the new protocols and discuss at a high level their impact on service providers. So let's start with some initial thoughts. The advent of DNS encryption really changed the internet landscape and it created openings for new kinds of services. So uh, you know, I'm sure many of you have been watching and you've seen that since these standards were announced, there are public DNS services, for example, that heavily promote the fact that they use DNS encryption. And what this means is it's really important for providers to understand these changes and be prepared to respond. Um, the presence of public resolvers uh, potentially has an impact on uh, choice for subscribers, and providers need to be aware of that, and they need to prepare to ensure that subscribers prefer their resolution services. We think that there's a a few things or a few ways that providers can do that. As I said, privacy and security are highly visible issues today, and the reality is that ISPs don't always get credit for the good work that they do. We think it's important that they find ways to communicate to subscribers that their networks are secure and their services are protected. And in most parts of the world, their privacy is also preserved, even in places where there aren't regulations that codify um, privacy standards. Providers go to great lengths to ensure the privacy of their subscribers. Many subscribers may not be aware that these security protections and privacy protections exist, and so it's really important for providers to find ways to reinforce that they're part of their service. This is a way they can get credit for the effort and energy that they expend in in order to secure uh, their networks. You know, there's this sort of cliche term, digital transformation. I think we're seeing today how critical that is, having some sort of a digital relationship with customers. Every business on the planet is really focused on ensuring that they have that. And so providers are in a position where they really need to do the same thing. And this is just one facet of, of you know, what that might mean in terms of communications. One of the other uh, things that providers need to be aware of is that the public DNS resolvers are, they may also be called over-the-top resolvers heavily promote performance and reliability, and now they're promoting privacy. So it's really important that providers implement best practices for DNS resolution to ensure that their services are performant, resilient, and always available. In fact, this is another thing that they can communicate. Um, We also think they should consider additional services that protect subscribers and further enhance their privacy by preventing loss of personal data. So there are ways to provide additional layers of security that can ensure, for example, someone is not subject to a phishing attacker, uh, gets infected with malware that can offload um, sensitive personal or financial information. I mean, it's a bit obvious in the context of this presentation, but providers also need to understand these new DNS encryption protocols and how they can be deployed. And more importantly, they have to participate in the formulation of standards to ensure they can be scaled and operationalized. And I'll talk a bit about an organization that is making that easier for providers. So let's talk a bit about the protocols. It's a testament to the original design of the DNS that the way that it operates has remained largely unchanged for more than 30 years since the protocol was originally specified. If you go back to that very first specification in 1987 uh, and you, you know compare the basic functions, they, they're really largely unchanged. Um, DNSSEC was added to uh, secure or authenticate the resource records that are exchanged between authorities and resolvers. Uh, but by and large, the protocol works the way that it always works has. And so this is one of the few consequential changes that have occurred ever since DNS was first conceived. DNS encryption changes the transport protocol. It actually doesn't change the way DNS itself behaves. Um, But due to some design choices, it opens up the possibility of significant changes in the way that client devices behave. The, the first protocol that was developed is called DNS over TLS. So it's specified in uh, Internet RFC 7858. DNS over TLS uses port 853 rather than the port 53 originally specified for DNS. There's uh, a bunch of client implementations available. Again, I'll talk about those in a minute. It's important to point out that these client implementations can be set up so that users can connect to over-the-top public DNS services rather than an in-network resolver. So uh, as I mentioned, some of the clients were developed by organizations that support public DNS services specifically to allow users to connect to those. So in other words, to prefer those over a resolver that's assigned when someone connects to uh, their provider network. One of the uh, advantages to DNS over TLS is because it uses a dedicated port, port 853, uh, it's easy to detect DOT in network traffic. And so this is a useful characteristic for network operators and security teams. Um, in the event, for example, there's a resolver that's known to be malicious, it's easy to detect the DOT traffic and uh, potentially uh, block efforts to reach those resolvers in a network. One of the other protocols is called DNS over HTTPS. It's specified in uh, Internet RFC 8484. Unlike DOT, DOH uses the same port, port 443, as HTTPS. So there are a bunch of client implementations of this. As with DNS over TLS, user devices can connect to over-the-top public DNS services as well. And again, clients exist that are specifically designed for that purpose. So the the goal is uh, override a connection that's assigned by the network and allow someone to just connect to a public DNS service. So this is something that operators need to pay attention to. Because it uses the same port as HTTPS, it's impossible to identify DOH traffic in standard web traffic. So it's simply not possible to block it. It's, it's, it's not a, a prudent or um, really practical thing to do. So this raises some obvious security and operational concerns and you know, really heightens the need for providers to be aware of these protocols and support them so that there's no incentive for subscribers to go elsewhere and just use their resolver um, in, in an encrypted way for those who think that that's important. Thank mm-hmm. you. One of the things that's important to understand is in both cases, the, the behavior of the DNS resolver itself doesn't really change. The resolvers see queries in the clear, so any sort of filtering that an ISP is doing is still possible, even if the transport is encrypted. I mentioned Akamai has security and personalization services. Those services rely on DNS filtering, and uh, though our resolvers behave exactly the same with regard to security and personalization filters, whether or not the transport in front of the resolver is encrypted. In- encrypted or not. So let's talk about what this means to ISPs. DNS encryption is intended to protect users from unwanted eavesdropping of DNS traffic by a third party on the path between the user and the resolver they're connected to. Most providers are committed to maintaining highly secure networks that are challenging for adversaries to infiltrate to intercept traffic. If you think about it, it's pretty uncommon that we read about someone who's manage to infiltrate a provider network and, you know, act as a man in the middle, for example. Providers in many parts of the world are also subject to data privacy regulations or have contractually agreed terms of services about how they use and protect customer data. And so this sort of raises the question for providers of, well, wait a minute, you know, my network is, is secure. I'm proud of that. I've invested in, in making that a reality. And I have really good privacy protections for my subscribers. So why do I need DNS encryption? You know, the, the value proposition is really a bit cloudy. Um, and it's hard to make a business case that in a secure network with defensible data protection processes and policies, that there's a benefit to encrypting traffic. But the motivation is really something I've alluded to thus far in this discussion, and that is these protocols have the potential to fundamentally change the way subscribers perceive DNS. And as I've said, client implementations, can make it easier to bypass a provider's DNS and connect to public DNS resolution services like Google and several others. So what this means is there's a possibility that subscribers could migrate away from provider DNS, and that has implications for the network service itself. There's some obvious issues like troubleshooting, for example. If a public DNS service goes away, the subscriber can't access their favorite website. They're not going to call the public DNS service. They're going to call the provider. When someone connects to public DNS, most cases are not aware that, you know, that's a possibility. And uh, so providers are the ones that sort of have to deal with the fallout. And on the positive side, there are actually other motivations for deploying these protocols. Providers have the potential to create value-added services that take advantage of DNS encryption. There's ways to offer it for subscribers when they're off of a provider's network. So that could be a value-added service that you're, you're offering to your subscribers that protects them when they're, when they're away, from, uh, away from home, for example, for a, a fixed broadband service and sitting down at a local coffee shop uh, accessing a Wi-Fi that's potentially not secure in any way. That's just a little perspective on, you know, sort of how to think about these protocols and why they're important for providers who have already invested in securing their networks. The layer of encryption may seem redundant, but it's important to keep subscribers attached to provider resolvers and their opportunities for value-added services. So let's talk a little bit. I, I've mentioned several times, there's a bunch of different client implementations that exist for uh, DOH and DOT. This ecosystem continues to evolve very rapidly, almost weekly or every couple of weeks, there are new announcements from vendors about either upgrades to their client implementation or new implementations. So let me give you a sense of what those are. If you talk about uh, DNS over TLS, in terms of operating systems, Google, Android, First started to support DOT in 2018, so shortly after the specifications were completed, Google had an implementation. It required and still requires some user configuration, but then it acts as the DNS client for the device. Um, so this is an example where if someone takes that step to take advantage of the uh, capability that's in Google Android, then you know they bypass the provider's resolvers. Uh, more recently, uh, at their 2020 developer conference, Apple announced support in iOS 14 and macOS 11. Um, so uh, we'll have more details on that, exactly you know, what the implementations look like and how they're expected to behave. In terms of mobile apps for DOT, there are a couple that exist. There's uh, one named after an IP address, a very visible, prominent IP address. 1.1.1.1 is the name of the app. You can look it up. There's another app uh, that was developed by a company called Quad9. It's designed to connect to a public DNS service that Quad9 supports that now supports encrypted DNS. For DOT, there's also support in COT. So there are thus far a few vendors. Um, there's one called Fritzbox, another called Turris, and then OpenWRT, the open source Uh, CPE software implementation can proxy client requests coming in from port 53 on a local network and send them out over a secure port 853 to a provider resolver. So pretty good range of capability there. There's even more on the DOH side in terms of operating systems. uh, Apple iOS 14 and macOS 11 also support DOH as they do uh, DOT. Microsoft Windows 10 supports DOH. So, you know, some of the heavy hitters have already uh, announced implementations. And in fact, some of these uh, are available today. Uh, Again, there's a certain amount of user configuration that's required. DOH, because of the way it works, it's a natural for browsers to support it. So Mozilla has been a very visible entrance and they too began supporting DOH in June, 2018. There's been a whole evolution of their capabilities and that continues. In fact, I, as I said, there's some, some developments to specify ways for service providers to be connected to browsers that want to use DOH. Um, so when that happens, it uh, you know, sort of changes the, the current state where providers are potentially uh, out of the loop. Chrome also supports DOH. It started in uh, July of uh, 2019. And then all the Chrome variants that are, uh, rely on Chromium uh, also support DOH as a result of the fact that, that, that Chrome does. There's also DOH mobile apps. There's one called Intra that was developed by uh, Google's um, subsidiary Jigsaw. And then uh, that 1.1.1 app I mentioned earlier supports DOT. So, uh, you know, this is all good. There's a lot of diversity in the ecosystem. But as I said, the standards aren't yet defined that uh, specify how a client device discovers encrypted resolvers. So today, it either requires local configure their... Everyone's kind of chosen their own approach and there is no automated way yet to do it. Um, Fortunately, there's been some progress in that regard. Uh, There's a group within IETF that's working on defining uh, ways for that to happen in, in an automated way using familiar protocols like DHCP. And so that really opens the door for providers to participate. One of the other things that I mentioned is there's industry organizations that are focused on uh, provider participation in the DNS encryption ecosystem. So there's one called the Encrypted DNS Deployment Initiative, and we would urge providers to get involved with that organization. Um, You can do a search on EDDI and encrypted DNS, and you'll, you'll see it come up or that the URL is encrypted-dns.org, if you want to jot it down. As is hopefully clear from this presentation, DOT and DOH are currently being deployed. There are many clients. There are many public DNS services. Uh, Some providers have been early participants deploying uh, servers either on a a proof of concept or trial sort of basis. But to ensure widespread success and success of future protocols, um, we urge network operators to get involved with EDDI. Uh, The collective organization is focused on this area and focused on the standards and operational processes. Processes that'll make it possible for providers to deploy these protocols at scale. For now, I think I, I, I'm just going to close this session um, with a little bit of guidance. Uh, Akamai has been a heavy participant in this area ever since these standards were first discussed in IETF and other venues, and so we're very familiar with these protocols. We actually have implemented these protocols in the Cache Serve Resolver, and that support has been released for several months now. So we've integrated DOH and DOT and CacheServe alongside the legacy UDP and TCP protocols We've done performance testing that shows scaling up to half a million active DOH and DOT sessions at a million and a half queries per second. The telemetry and logging that have all always been a part of Cache Server now—they uh, um, now include comprehensive DOH and DOT statistics. And so, what this means is, in one console, you see everything that you need to see about the operation of your resolver, whether it's using encrypted or unencrypted transport. It's all in one place. The alternative would be, for example, some sort of appliance in front of the resolver that would do the encrypted transport, and you'd have multiple interfaces, and it's a little harder to troubleshoot. Um, so, we think having an integrated solution is really. Useful. The config is really simple. You add certificate files and specify the new listen on ports and basically you're done. Obviously, there's due diligence up front in order to support these protocols and manage differences and network sizing. And so we're going to go into detail uh, about all that guidance uh, in an upcoming session. So with that, I think I'll close this session and urge you to tune in um, for the next round and uh, all the subsequent topics. We think you'll find them informative. Our goal is to uh, increase awareness, uh, as I said, in a very approachable way. Thanks for uh, listening and we'll see you at the next session.